Wow. The moment is finally here. <laughs> Feels like it's taken too long. Uh, Leah and I have been looking forward to this day, uh, and we've so appreciated all of your prayers. Uh, you've already been so supportive of us, so welcoming to us. Just open your arms wide. We can't thank you enough for that. It means a lot to us. It's not easy to move. It's not easy to pick up some place where you see God moving and you, you've invested in people and you see what they're doing. Um, but we're so thankful to come to a family like this and for you to welcome us into your family. We thank you for that. It's incredible to be here. So good morning to you. Glad you're here. Um, so thankful that our Spanish brothers and sisters are here this morning. Buenos dias. Feliz sábado. I'm sorry that I don't, uh, I need to brush up on my Spanish. <laughs> I, I have, I've taken a lot of Spanish, but it, it, it needs some work. But I feel like I'm amputated this morning. I feel like I'm walking around without one of my legs or something like that. You see, Leah and I have been in ministry together for the past, I don't know, 10 years, I guess. It's been since 2005 that we started doing ministry together. And that's all I know when it comes to ministry is doing it with my wife. And so she, she wanted to be here this morning. Um, we, we thought that jet lag was going to be the problem, but thankfully that hasn't been too much of a problem. We flew in on Thursday night, got into Bakersfield, and then uh, yesterday afternoon she came down with a stomach flu, and she's been severely uh, vomiting pretty much all the way until 3 a.m. this morning, and then we thought, hey, maybe it's finally letting up, and for about three hours she was fine, and then she went upstairs to get ready and try to come this morning, and it all came back again. So we didn't get any sleep last night, but um, pray for me. <laughs> I, need, I need grace this morning. I'm so thankful uh, for what Paul writes uh, that Jesus told him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is perfected in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will gladly boast in my weakness. So I boast that I haven't gotten sleep, <laughs> that I need your prayers Please pray with me, and I'm going to pray once more as I, as I begin. Father, you know how unworthy I am for this moment, but you know how worthy Jesus is. We're here because of Jesus and because of what Jesus has done. And we're asking that today you would speak to our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we don't want to walk away from here unchanged by you. We don't want to walk away from here saying that this was a Sabbath where we just installed Pastor Zach, but we want to walk away saying we have seen Jesus. Please reveal yourself to us by your grace and by your power, and by your Holy Spirit. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, love will do some amazing things. In your life, it'll, it'll transform the way that you live your life. I witnessed this in Leah's life. I didn't notice it at first, but when Leah and I first began dating, and it actually was a year into our relationship, and we were quite in love by that point, one day we were doing something called Teen Bible Academy, and we had the kids all up in uh, Sonora. And in Sonora, there's this uh, waterfall with a, a rock wall that's about 40 feet high there. 
and there's another rock wall that's about 15 feet high, and we had the kids jumping off the 15-foot high one when some guys came over and told me, you know that you can go up and you can climb up on that 40-foot rock, and you can jump, or I don't know, it may have been more than 40 feet, but they said you can crawl up on that, you just got to make sure to jump out and into the water, and you'll be fine. It'll be great. I said, oh, okay. So I went around and I, I climbed up on top of it. And thankfully, there were two guys up there. And I said, have you guys jumped off of here before? They said, yes, we've jumped off of here before. I said, okay, where do you jump to? And they pointed to a spot. And my motto is, if you have to think about it, then don't jump. So I didn't think about it. And I jumped. And it was fine. But when I got to the bottom, as I, as I came around the side, I noticed that Leah had walked up to the top of the rock. So I went back up to the top of the rock and I said, wow, you want to jump off this rock too? I didn't picture that Leah would want to jump off a 40-foot rock, but she was there standing on the rock. She said, yeah, I want to jump off. I want to jump off. I said, are you sure? You kind of have to jump out a little ways into the water. Are you sure that you want to jump off of this, Leah? She said, yeah, yeah, I want to jump off of it. And so finally she jumped off of it. And ever since then, she said, that was the most foolish moment of my life. <laughs> she said, I thought that somehow I needed to impress you. I thought that somehow this would make our relationship better. She said, I'm glad that finally I realized I don't have to do those kind of things. But you know, love can make you do some crazy things sometimes. Love makes you move in ways that you didn't expect. You know, I didn't used to enjoy going on long walks when I was a kid. My parents would always like to go for a walk in the afternoon, and I would tell them, no, I don't really like to go on long walks. That's kind of boring. I can't really get my heart rate up. Maybe I could ride my bike alongside you and do a few laps or something like that. When I met Leah... It suddenly was fun to go on evening walks on the bluffs in Bakersfield, and it was great to just have a long conversation. I'm not a person that liked to just walk and have a long conversation, but when I met Leah, it was suddenly an amazing thing that I loved to do. Love does incredible things. The scripture we want to focus on this morning is in Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22 is where we want to start. Thank you, Elder Faustino, for the scripture reading this morning. That was a powerful message from the Word of God. Somehow it wasn't exactly the scripture that I, I meant for reading this morning, but it was a powerful message. Anytime the Word of God is read, it impacts our hearts. But Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? They come to him and they want to know, Teacher, what is the most important thing? They, they, they had all kinds of rules and commandments and different things, and they liked to rate the different commandments and say that if one was in conflict with another, you needed to know which commandment was the greater commandment. This is the way the Pharisees worked, and this is the way they did things. So they come to Jesus and they come to challenge him because they saw that their rivals, the Sadducees, had been silent. So now this was their opportunity. In verse 37, Jesus gives us this all-important commandment. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Jesus says, 
of anything. This is the first. This is the greatest thing for you. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, because love transforms who you are. Love can make you do things you never expected that you would do. Love can move you in a whole new direction in your life. Love can transform everything about your life. Love is what Jesus says that it's all about. To love with all your heart, with all your soul. Now, he makes it clear that we should love with all of our soul, all of our heart, all of our mind, meaning our entire being, everything that there is of us. A little earlier on in my experience in, in relationships, I, I kind of got into a foolish relationship when I was uh, in early high school, and I thought that I loved this girl. I was pretty sure that I loved this girl, and so I decided to get her flowers, so I went to the flower shop, and this is my first time as a 16-year-old going to buy flowers. And I, I go into the flower shop, and I see there in the back this beautiful bouquet. And I looked at this beautiful bouquet, and I said, wow, how much is that one? And the, the florist looked at me and said, $120. $120? I said, well, how much without that beautiful vase at the bottom? That must be what costs all... They looked at me and they said, $120. <laughs> Flowers are $120? I didn't know that a plant could cost that much. So I downgraded very quickly. I began asking about different ones around the shop. And pretty soon I settled on the cheapest flowers I could find. So I wasn't really in love. Love is willing to give all the heart, all the soul, all the mind. You know, there's a story in the Gospels, a story that's very important because it's recorded in all four of the Gospels. There's only a few different stories that are recorded in all of the Gospels, but this story captures what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus, one night, was invited to a special feast. He went to this feast, and it was, he was to be the guest of honor. He was to be there because he had healed the, the, the host, the Pharisee, named Simon. He'd healed him of leprosy. And he wanted to say thank you, so he invited Jesus to his house. And Jesus came, and they sat down at the table. Now back then, you're, you would have been very dusty and dirty. You would have been... Uh, Maybe not always smelling the best because you'd walked long, dusty roads. You walked the same roads where the camels and the, the donkeys walked and where they did other things on the road. And so your feet wouldn't be very clean. So here they come to uh, this road and uh, to the, to the, uh, they come to the feast. And as they, they get there, there's no one that washes their feet. There's no one that anoints Jesus, the guest of honor. There's no one that, that treats him special as he comes. But it, this feast is for his honor, and he comes and he sits down at the table, and he, he, I can imagine just what the feast was like when Jesus was there. Can you imagine having dinner with Jesus? How amazing that would be, just to be there with Jesus. And so I just imagine that they were enjoying a wonderful conversation. Somehow he had his way of directing the conversation to talk about God, to talk about God's love. And as they're there having this conversation, all of a sudden, something changes in the room. I've never held a gift that was that expensive in my hands. The gift that she held that day, that she clutched in her hands, was worth 300 days wages. 300 days. 
Can you imagine working? Just think back over the past year. Think back over the last 300 days that you've worked. And imagine taking that and putting it into an alabaster flask. It was oil of spikenard. It comes from a plant, they believe, that was found up in the high Himalayas. And so it had to be imported. It was a difficult thing to get this oil of spikenard. But Mary loved Jesus. And to Mary, Jesus was everything. Thank you for that special music. Jesus is all. Jesus is everything. And to to Mary, there was no second thought about what to do. She'd she'd bought in this because she believed Jesus' word that that Jesus was going to, to die. And she'd bought it for his burial. But she began to hear rumors that Jesus was going to be anointed as king. And, and when she found out that Jesus was going to be king, she took this, this precious perfume. And she went into this room. And there you have all these people gathered around Jesus. All these people who haven't honored Jesus. And she walks in with this gift in her hands. And if we just took, say, the, the average wage, we could... Or, or not even the average wage, we take minimum wage, imagine that she has in her hands this, this flask full of oil of spikenard. Say $18,000. This perfume in her hands. And she, she goes to Jesus and she breaks it, it says in the Gospel of Mark, she breaks it over his head. She anoints his feet just to delight the heart of Jesus. Just so Jesus can, can smell the fragrance of that oil. Just so Jesus can have a better day. Just so the heart of Jesus can be delighted. She just loved Jesus with all her heart, with all of her soul, and with all of her mind. That's why she did what she did. But in the room, people weren't too happy about that. They looked at her and they saw what she did and they thought, why this waste? Why is she, doesn't she know that Jesus wants us to help the poor? Doesn't she know that there's a lot of things that could be done with this money? Why is she doing this? You see, she knew something that they didn't know, that Jesus is everything. That Jesus is worth loving. That Jesus is worth pouring out everything just to delight Jesus' heart is worth everything. So Mary took that, and she anointed Jesus. Meanwhile, they are throwing a fit. They're criticizing. They're condemning. Why? Because they don't love Jesus with all their heart. They don't love Jesus with all their soul. They don't love Jesus with all their mind. They think they do, but they're really just having a form. They're really just going through the motions. They're really uh, actors. In a religious play that has no power. And you know, when I look at this story, I have to ask myself, where am I in this story? And all too often, I'm afraid that I'm sitting at the table. I'm holding something back from Jesus. I think, you know, to go that far, to, to lavish so much on Jesus, to just, that's, that's just too much. But Jesus is everything. Jesus is worth giving your all to. He's worth loving with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
So when I thought about what should be the first sermon here at Templeton Hills, what do, what do we talk about? You know, the longer I've studied the Bible, the more I've realized that there are virtually an infinite amount of things that could be talked about. So I beg you to pray for me. I beg you to pray for every preacher that comes up here that they would know what God would have them to say because God has a message for his people. God wants to speak to your hearts. God wants to move you. He wants to transform you. He wants to do incredible things in your life. And as I prayed about it and I asked God and I thank you for all of you that were praying for me, I realized that Jesus said this is the first and the greatest commandment that you would love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is where we have to start. We have to ask ourselves, do we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? Is that why we're sitting in church this morning? Are we here because we love God or are we here because we know we should be? Are we here because our parents told us to be here? Are we here because of a million other reasons that don't really matter? Don't get me wrong. Just because you don't feel an incredible love for Jesus doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep the commandments. Jesus said that if we keep the commandments, what does it say in John 14, 15? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if we keep the commandments, John 15 tells us, you will abide in the Father's love just as I have abided in my Father's love and kept his commandments. So keeping the commandments is important. Following these things is so important. But without the love of Jesus in the heart, without being motivated, compelled, constrained by the love of Christ, in the end, it can turn up meaning nothing. It can turn out just being like those who sat at the table, those who refused to honor Jesus, those who refused to pour out their all for Jesus because they were holding something back. I want to love Jesus like Mary loved Jesus. I want to pour out my all for Jesus. I want to say, Jesus, you've done so much for me. Here, take it. You can have my all. So what was it for Mary? What was it that gave her that kind of love? That's what I need to know. I need to know how I can come to church and be excited about Jesus. I need to know how I can be here and I can be in love with Jesus. That I'm not just here because I know I should be, but I'm here because I love Jesus. That I'm not just honoring the Sabbath because I know I should, but because I love Jesus. I need to know how to love God like Mary loved God. So I want to take a look at the Gospel of John where it records this same story. There's four different times that this story is recorded. In the the Gospel of John, it's a little bit different what it focuses on. In John chapter 12, it comes right after the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is only recorded in the Gospel of John. It's like the pinnacle miracle of Jesus in the Gospel of John. It's, it's where after this, everything begins to spiral towards the cross and everything begins to come to the final climax because it's obvious now that Jesus has power, that Jesus can raise the dead, that Jesus is the Son of God on earth. So in John chapter 12, immediately after this story about Lazarus, It says this, then six days before the Passover, six days, 
This is the final week. This means it's Saturday night, and Jesus is going to the cross on Friday. It's getting to the end. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. You know, the other gospel accounts, when they, when they record this story, they talk about it being a feast at Simon's house. They talk about it being a feast at a, a Pharisee's house. But none of them mention Lazarus, except for in the gospel of John. But here we realize that not only was Simon there, who had been healed of leprosy, but Lazarus is at this feast. He's at the table. Lazarus, the one who experienced death who had been in the tomb, who Jesus had raised to life, he is there sitting at the table. Verse 2, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. It's emphasizing something to us. It wants us to note here that Lazarus is a part of this feast, that Lazarus is here at this feast, that Lazarus is an essential part of this feast. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Why did Mary love Jesus so much? Because Lazarus was sitting right next to Jesus. You see, Lazarus was Mary's brother, and Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And Mary had her brother back. To have a family member back from the dead is worth $18,000. It's worth pouring out your love on Jesus because Jesus had given her her brother back. She knew that Jesus was worth loving because Jesus was the resurrection and the life. Jesus was worth loving with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind. She loved Jesus because she knew that Jesus was powerful and she knew the blessings of Jesus in her life. But Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like Mary's life was rosy. And we're going to get a chance to look at this over the next few weeks, to look at what were the the things in Mary's life that led her to love God with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind. But just think about the story of Lazarus. Think about how painful that was. I mean, when we look at it in hindsight, this is this amazing experience where Lazarus is raised from the, the dead, but Here, Mary sends a message to Jesus. She trusts that Jesus is going to come through for her. And Jesus waits. He delays for days. Why, Jesus? Why would you let my brother die? When Jesus comes, she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you imagine the heartache, the heartbreak? When life goes wrong, sometimes it's hard to to love Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to believe that he has everything in control. When your wife is throwing up all night long, and it's your first Sabbath going to your new church, you have to wonder, what's going on, God? Why are you doing this? I don't understand. But Jesus said, It was so that you could see the glory of God. And Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. 
to those who are called according to his purpose, to those who love God, all things work together for good, including when you're staying up with your wife all night long on the night before your first time preaching at your new church. God is working all things together for good, and he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be trusted. He knows what he's doing. When your right hand, when your ministry partner isn't there on your first Sabbath, he knows what he's doing. And he loves you. When you're going through a hard time, when your family member gets sick and you don't understand, when, when everything goes wrong in your life, he knows what he's doing. You can trust him. And Mary trusted Jesus. And Mary witnessed that Jesus has all power. And Mary saw Jesus raise her brother Lazarus from the grave. What an incredible moment. If it wasn't for her trusting Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus delaying for that much time, if it wasn't for the delay, then the glory of God wouldn't have been so clear. Friends, Jesus is worth loving with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And how do we come to love him more? We recognize his blessings in our lives. We recognize his goodness in our lives. We recognize that even though things may be going wrong in our life, even though everything may not be perfect in our lives, that Jesus is seeing us through and that he is blessing our lives. So I just have a simple appeal for us this morning. That is, first of all, will you go on a journey with me? I want to love Jesus more. And I want to invite you. A lot of you can teach me how to love Jesus more. You know a lot about loving Jesus, and you can help me to know how to love Jesus more. And maybe there's some things that I can share with you about loving Jesus more. I just want to go on a journey as a church to love Jesus because when we love Jesus with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our mind this community is going to be touched by Jesus this community is going to be touched by the love of Jesus and we're going to reach this world for Jesus do you want to go on that journey with me to love God with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and then the final appeal is this Recognize God's blessings in your lives. Sitting at that table were people who had been just as blessed as Mary had. You had Simon. He himself had been afflicted with leprosy, this horrible disease. His life was at stake, and yet he didn't recognize that Jesus was everything, that that Jesus deserved all of his love, that he should pour out his richest gifts, the gifts that were worthy of a king. He didn't recognize that he should pour that out on Jesus because he missed what Jesus had done for him. So I want to invite you to do something practical. I began to pick this up about a year and a half ago. Every day, I spend time in prayer asking God, saying, how have you blessed my life? What are the blessings in my life? And I just write them down. And it's incredible what it does in your life on a daily basis. And some days you're going to wake up and you feel like, no, I don't have any blessings. I don't have anything to praise God for. There's nothing good in my life. But you take time and say, God, how have you been blessing my life? What ways have you worked in my life? 
And you begin to ask God, you begin to write those things down, and you begin to watch as God changes your whole perspective. He gives you a whole new lease on life. You begin to get excited about realizing that He is at work in your life. Too often I miss what God is doing. I'm like Simon sitting there, and I don't recognize that sitting right next to me is the one that I need, the one who deserves all my love. So I want to invite you um, to consider every day just making a journal, writing down, I have a goal of every day, writing down 10 blessings, 10 good things that I know God did in my life. And you may say, well, I, was this of God or was it not of God? James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So you can know that when you have a blessing in your life, that's from God. You can know when good things happen in your life, that's from God. You can also praise Him when your wife is sick. You can praise Him when things aren't going right because He's also working all those things together for good in your life. As I close, I just want you to uh, take some time personally uh, to reflect on that while we have our closing hymn. Our closing hymn is Give Me Jesus. Let's pray. That's the prayer of our heart, Father, that you would give us more of Jesus, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Father, this morning, I ask wherever our hearts may be at, maybe we're at a place this morning where we don't even know you. Maybe we're at a place this morning where we've walked with you for years, wherever we may be at. We want more of Jesus. We want to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And Lord, we want to recognize your blessings in our lives. Lord, I just want to recommit for myself to daily count those blessings. And I want to leave some time in silence just for my friends here to personally commit to recognizing your blessings in their lives. Thank you, Father, for hearing the prayer of our heart. Thank you for helping us to follow through on commitments of ourselves. We're weak and unable, but I pray that you would fill us with your love, that you would fill us with love for you, that we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.